Hello, and welcome to episode 10 of Dualist Unity. I'm Andrew. And I'm a very excited Ray. Episode 10, we're in double digits. It's been two and a half months of doing this show. And, and it's so funny because it feels like I, I've been doing this show for years with you at this point, man. It really does. It's, it's pretty crazy how it feels so long in between episodes. And then at the same time, like we're already on episode 10. So it's just, it's exciting. And it's like every episode is invigorating for me. And I feel like I learned so much listening to it back. I usually, you know, over the next two days afterwards, I'll do the timestamps and stuff and listen to it back. And I like pick apart because as we've talked about before, like when we're in it, when we're talking, it's less so, you know, mind and more so just like stream of consciousness discussion. Um, so a lot of times I'll be done and I'll be like, I don't even remember what we talked about, but I know it was, you know, something good. <laughs> Absolutely. It's kind of funny that uh, in these conversations, it's very much the embodiment of what we're kind of communicating in our manifestation workshop that's going on right now, which is that it's here in the moment, right? Where we're manifesting, where we're actually creating something. And so when we allow ourselves to just be present, it, it very much is like this, this um, endless well that you can just dip into and, and things just come out of you and unfold. And it's just allowing that to happen. But it's funny because when I was younger and, and I would meditate and I was more into trying to really conceptualize this and understand it before I understood that it wasn't conceptual. And I used to uh, envision, or, or at least I would picture how it felt, which was like a whirlwind feeding itself. So like a vortex, basically everything comes out of you but it comes from within you. So everything that goes out of you also comes within you and it feeds itself back out in small variations. And so you're just like the center of the universe. You're your own micro big bang happening in every moment, creating each and every moment. And, and it informs you as much as you inform it. And so it becomes this, this endless loop of, of causality that you're just kind of riding out in the middle. And if you're doing it well, it's very much just like dancing. It's, it's so much fun. It's like flight. But when you're trying to do it, it feels mechanical and it starts to fall apart. And, and it really is just about finding that, that state where you are the moment. Yeah, I love that idea of it not being conceptual, because I think that's where it begins for most people. That's sort of, sort of that, you know, path sort of in between where you understand that it is not conceptual and but be way before that when you don't even understand you know the conceptual part of it it's kind of like you go through that and so we're we we're just talking about uh before was the idea that this this understanding of you know being the awareness and the idea that it's not conceptual like understanding these things is almost you can almost plug in this understanding to any sort of situation. And that's what we were just talking about before uh, we did the little intro. We usually, you know, talk for 10 minutes or so and post that on our Patreon. But I, I find it to be very interesting because so for so long, for the past few years for me, it was very much conceptual. I would go through, you know, my rigid morning routine and I had all these ideas of what it was, you know, what life was, what I was doing. And I had these things that it was almost like I had to, I still had to remember how to be, I had to remember to do certain things or else, you know, God knows what 
could happen. Like shit could hit the fan and I wouldn't know what to do because I was holding on to all these concepts and all these ideas. And I think we've used this analogy before, but I like to compare it to teaching someone how to fish versus giving someone fish. And I think before you understand that it's not conceptual, you are just getting being given all these fishes, whether, you know, you're reading books or, you know, listening to speeches, which can be beneficial. Certainly, you know, if you're hungry, you got to eat and, you know, fish can be helpful, but what's more helpful is learning how to fish because then you don't need someone to give you fish and you don't need to rely on anyone or any concept or any idea. You can just go catch some fish whenever you want. And no matter what, so the comparison would be no matter what situation you're thrown into, you are able to handle it because you know how to fish. And I think that is sort of the crux of what all of these discussions are. And, and once you get that, there isn't, there is so much less, you know, fear and anxiety and, and worry about what is to come or what has been because you're okay, no matter what. Absolutely. And, and, and you have nothing to defend, right? Because everything is just conceptual. Everything's a concept, right? So you don't get caught in these loops where it's like, you know, oh, well, humanity is God. Oh, that's blasphemy. It's like, no, it's just a concept. It's just a word, right? It's a word that you've assigned a certain meaning to and don't want to question. And so as soon as somebody uses the word in a different way, you get offended. But the fact is, is that it's just a word. And so it, I used to describe it as um, knowing all the words, but not knowing what they're talking about. So it's, it's like you're in the know, but you don't know what it is. Right. So you can say all of the conversation pieces that that are common to this, which is, you know, uh, being one and we're all, you know, unity and, and this is my soul and we're, we're manifesting reality. And you can get all, all into this and you can you can almost play that game so convincingly that you can fool yourself into thinking that you're making progress. And when you have other people around you that are doing the same thing, it just becomes this this exercise in validating everybody's not moving and everybody's staying in one place basically and continuing to go through the same egotistical hell so it's kind of difficult that way if you're surrounded with with people who are playing the same game but you can feel the difference and, and it comes down to the fact that when you are aware there is nothing to hold on to so there's nothing to threaten and there's nothing to defend and so everything that comes in gets transmuted it gets converted again by your awareness into a new insight it gets to convert it into a new perception that you haven't explored before rather than just being a return to an old concept or an old perception that was familiar to you right and that's the problem with thinking conceptually i think you said this in one of the early in the early episodes of this podcast which was that when we revert back to our self-image or any concept, really, we are reverting back to the past immediately. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like all the concepts that we're mentioning, how everything is a concept, you are a concept. Like the idea of you, the idea of Ray, the idea of Andrew is a concept. And that was the first thing that sort of shook me. And it was like that insight, understanding that, Andrew is nothing more than a grouping of past experiences and ideas. So what if I didn't have a past in the way that I think? And that is nothing more than what Andrew is. It's just a grouping of past experiences and ideas and concepts and labels. And that's not me. So if, if I am, if Andrew doesn't have a past, then, you know, am I really Andrew or am I 
just the awareness of what is. So it's even comes down to, and I think that is sort of the bridge or the final frontier that people, it's like the most freeing thing, but also the most scary, like the scariest thing as well. And where people don't want to necessarily go to because it's scary, but at the same time, it's incredibly freeing if you're able to do it because it's sort of that last, the idea of you, it's like, it's like dying before you die, which is freedom, pure freedom. Like that's all it is, is pure freedom without all these ideas and concepts and sort of shackles. But it's scary because, you know, that is how you have stayed for a lot of people, you know, comfortable and being able to, you know, foist responsibility onto whatever else when you, you know, think you're an individual and think you are separate from everything and think that there are things that are, you know, a creator or that someone else is responsible for the way things are. And it's like, once you realize that you're it, there isn't as much of that. So it's almost equally as scary as it is freeing, but I think, I think it is pure freedom at the end of the day is understanding that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, but like you said, it's, it can be scary because it's very much like uh, going skydiving without an instructor, right? Like there's nobody to let us know it's going to be okay. You can leap. Right. And and, I mean, that's what old world religions really tried to communicate in their own kind of half-assed way, which was the idea of faith the promise of reality, which is that you can let go, you can let go and everything's going to be okay. And they try to communicate that with concepts like heaven, right. Or, or connection to God, but really it's just the same concept of just let go. You are your best self when you're not getting in, in the way of that. But again, that, that takes practice. And because our culture revolves around the opposite, it, it's very difficult to understand how that transition is going to work. And, and actually, this is really good because I've, I've had a couple of questions this week. Uh, just want to say thanks to all of our supporters. We've been getting lots and lots of messages from people with questions. But uh, specifically, these questions revolved around this idea of how do you have normal human experiences with this understanding that you're not a self-image, with this understanding of, say, uh, the toxicity of ego-based relationships or with this understanding of, the, of um, what you're bringing to the table when you are over-invested in trying to, to get validation or, or trying to get approval from others. When you get out of that, how do you get into a relationship with somebody? Is it possible to be in a relationship with somebody who's still playing that game or unaware that, that they're playing that game? Or do you think that it would only be possible to get into a relationship with somebody who was kind of on the same footing as you, maybe not a lot on the same part of the path as you, but definitely aware of the path in the same way? Yeah, that is a very good question. I think, I think there does need to be some, I think it's very difficult. Probably I have yet to necessarily be in a relationship since having these sorts of understandings. Um, you know, the past relationship I was in earlier this year was kind of before I, this stuff all clicked to me. So it's hard for me to say, but I do feel like there would need to be at least from the other person an ability to question what is and a comfortability with not settling on an answer and not having necessarily a concrete idea 
of the way things are. And I think it would be difficult. I think it would be difficult to have a relationship with someone who was so set in their ways that they wouldn't be willing to question things. But as I'm saying this, is it, am I saying it, would it be difficult because I'm saying that it would be difficult? Because that is an idea and concept that I am holding on to as well. So I don't know. Right. And, and then there's, there's, again, you're, you're in a relationship. And so there's always the capacity for this person to express things in a way that you're not. And so the real question is, is that if you are out of your own way, if you are aware that you're not really any idea of yourself and you do care about this person, regardless of how lost they may be, is that really a problem for you? Because you're not lost. And so it kind of goes um, down the road of, of altruism to some degree, um, not that you're trying to be their savior so much as that you don't need saving. And so you're more than happy to just be with them while they work through their own darkness, right? And, and those relationships can happen. But on the other hand, you don't want to end up being you know, a nursemaid. You don't want to end up being a crutch to that person to where they don't go and, and work their way out of their own darkness because you are shining so bright. So there are dangers, right? There are always so many considerations in relationships, but it really just comes down to identifying need and, and want and, and why you're there. But I, I think that when you are aware, you're in the best possible position to make that decision. You're, you're able to go, yeah, okay, this isn't working out today. This relationship is really bothering me, but I'm aware that most of that is on me because at the moment I'm, I'm responding in this way and I'm defending this and I'm doing all that. And then you get over that and you realize, yeah, I'm okay. You know, and I just blew that up out of proportion. But on the other hand, you also want to have the wherewithal to go, I'm not doing any good in this relationship just by being abused because she, she or he doesn't notice that I'm being abused. That's not helping them progress. And it's certainly not helping me. I'm going to exit. So there has to be an, an, this freedom in yourself in order to decide whether or not you want to maintain a relationship or maintain the path with that person. And, and I think at that point, it's just a decision and that you can make that with clarity. Yeah. Yeah. I find myself going back and forth on these sorts of things because part of me like has no desire. Like I definitely don't feel any need to be in a relationship at all but then sometimes I feel like I get caught on the side of like not like trying to avoid not trying to avoid but just like being closed off to it almost instead of not 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 being open like I'm not not oh I don't know what the term is exactly but like I'm not looking for it necessarily but then sometimes I find myself on the other side of like I have no desire. Part of me validates that because I say like, I am busy. I have things that I am interested in and, and I have enough going on in my life. And I, part of the reason I, my last relationship ended was because I didn't, you know, I felt like I didn't want one necessarily. And I came to that realization among other things. Um, but yeah, I, I sometimes question if I am, being closed off, like forcibly closed off to one, or if I'm just not looking for one, but I don't know, I guess there's nothing wrong with, with either. 
but yeah, I don't know. That's just where I find myself sometimes. Cause I've always kind of been like that too. Like I've never felt any like internal need. Like I need someone else in my life, but I've almost feel like I find myself more often than not, like not wanting someone else in my life. <laughs> that's fair. It goes in waves, right? Like, um, usually that's about the best time to have someone in your life is, is when you're not willing to give yourself up. Right. So that way the person they're with is actually you, right? So you're not, you're not trying to just market the package. You're not trying to, to alter the delivery as it were to, to make it more palatable to them. You're just being yourself and, and you're getting rid of that need and that idea of yourself to defend it and, and all of that. But um, yeah, there definitely comes a point in the journey of awareness where you're just like, Nope, I need to just work on me. And the entire idea of needing a partner is not sitting right with me right now, because I know that if I do, I'm just going to end up having to come back to this place right here and learn all of this again. And, and it's important to be self-honest about that, because otherwise you end up going through these loops of toxicity. But on that subject, because, again, we don't want to make assumptions and we don't want to project our past experiences into our future experiences, it is also important to jump into experiences. Um, another one of our supporters on Patreon asked this, um, that when you notice relationships around you and you notice the dynamic that we always notice energetically in terms of you know give and take, one person pulling and pushing from the other person and so on and so forth. So the egotistical relationship or the ego-based relationship, when you're aware of that, it's sometimes it's easy to sit back and go, nah, I don't want any of that, nah, I'm good. But on the other hand, sometimes you feel that pull Right. Sometimes you feel that pull that you want to get into that argument with somebody or you want to get into that that relationship with somebody because you feel the emotional pull of it and you want to just get lost in it, even though, you know, it's going to eventually end up with you coming back to terms with the fact that you got overcommitted to something or that you let yourself get lost for a certain benefit and all that. So it comes down to its balance right in in, in our lives as we get older we kind of go through this transition, um, kind of like the tarot between the fool and the wise man, right? So the fool has experiences and, and, and doesn't know there's anything to fear. And that's very much us as children getting older. And then we get into experiences and we learn, we learn from the consequences and we see things hopefully. And then as we do that, we slowly become the wise person, right? As a result of going through these experiences, we're now, it's not that we're afraid because we're, we're not afraid because we're ignorant, but we're not afraid because we know there's nothing to fear. And so as you get pulled into these relationships, if you do meet somebody, for example, you or, or the listener who asked this question, and you do feel pulled into the relationship, you know, don't, don't resist that necessarily, but keep your awareness as much as you can. And remember that even if you lose your awareness, even if you lose your clarity, the present, which is what you are, is always there. You'll always be able to refine your clarity as long as you're willing to look and do the digging. So don't worry too much about getting lost in these experiences because I mean, to some degree, that's why we're here. We're here to get lost in these experiences. I mean, I've done so many stupid things that I'm surprised I'm still alive. But the fact is it's the stupid things I've done that have provided some of the greatest lessons in my life. And so I'm grateful that I'm still here, but I'm also very grateful that I did those things that might've ended 
know, the path early for me, just because I didn't know better, or I didn't see the consequences, or I was so wrapped up in a benefit that I blinded myself to where I was going. And, and so, yeah, there, there's, there's value in the experience. And then there's value in taking stock of the lessons from that experience. But uh, don't make the assumption of knowing that you know where anything's going to go, right? Just just jump in and, and use your best intuition as you can. You'll, you'll feel the toxicity if you're really aware and you will feel the confusion if you're overcommitted to an end result that's removing your sensitivity in the moment. Great advice. And I think one of, the, one of the best parts of that and one of the best parts of all of these things that we talk about is that is, I don't want to say difficult, but as much of a, uh, I don't know, I don't like using paths or journey or whatever as, I'm just going to say difficult, as some things may seem at certain times, like the easiest aspect of this and understanding is that it's always here now. And whatever you get into, whatever shit you get into, whatever experience you go down, however far you get from, you know, this idea of clarity it's always here now. So that's all the only thing you ever have to, it's like, Oh, it's always here now. Like when you're clinging to a past idea or like, you know, this time in your life where you were so at peace, it's like, that's just because you were here now without all of those additional concepts and layers and beliefs and ideas and whatever other shit you had going on. It was, you were just here now, which is here now as well. Like it is here now, the same here now as it was when you were here now, you know, a few years ago. So as, as much as we talk about and as much content as we, you know, put out and as many pointers, we seeds, we drop out there, like it's always here now. So that's really at the end of the day, you, the only thing you have to, you know, remember if you start to, you know, get lost down a certain ideal or belief or concept is it's, it's here now and that's it. And it's beautiful how simple it really is when it comes down to it. <laughs> Absolutely, a bit of its uh, of a silver bullet in, in its own way, but it takes some practice. I mean, and, and admittedly, it's one thing to say this when when you're doing great and you're in a clear state of mind. It's another thing when everything is falling apart in your life and everything that you've been striving for suddenly goes in a different direction, and and you feel like all of the things that you've invested in in that end result and how it reflects on you and everything else um, that it, it's all all for nothing. And you find yourself in this position where you're kind of just, you know, screaming at the heavens again, going, you oh, know, why me? Why me? Why, why all this? And, and it's interesting that in that state of mind, the best thing that we can do, as we were just saying, is to come back to the right. I'm here now. There is no why me. There is no punishment. There is no being that that's making this happen. This isn't something that's happening to me. This is something that's happening as me. Right. And, and so the best thing that I can do in this situation is to not limit myself, to not limit the possibilities, to not tell myself a, a scary story of what's going to happen next and just continue forward. But that requires, again, that, that, that ounce of faith in yourself, that ability to move forward and not know what's going to happen, to not need the carrot and not need the stick. That, that's very much the practice. And that takes work. I mean, that's why um, when we look back at, at I want to say religious figures, but I don't want to say religious figures because that's not really the point. But when we look back at, say, saints and, and, and people who have done good things in the, in the name of humanity or in the name of awareness as a whole, there is a genuine commitment to just getting rid 
of this distortion that we call our identity or getting rid of this, this perception of division. And I think that that commitment is so rare, right? That it, it, it has an impact that we don't know how to recognize yet. But as more of us are, are getting to that state, we are making that impact. We are having that ripple. And so it, it's almost divine. And I hate using the word divine because immediately you end up in this concept of, of some external influence. But it really is just the fact that reality is limitless intelligence manifest in constant movement. And, and so everything is just perfectly synchronous. It's like that quote that... Um, Nothing in nature is rushed, but everything gets done. Yeah, I love that one. Yeah, it is. It's so true. And that's the idea of just letting go and allowing things to be and allowing things to get done perfectly. And it's nothing you have to do necessarily. And I find that when people, you know, when I say things like that or talk about things like that, people are like, well, if I don't do anything, then, you know, nothing's going to happen, or I should just sit on my couch and, you know, eat Cheetos all day. And it's like, that's an action too, you know, like inaction is taking an action. That is a decision that you're making. And it's like, you know, some may say, I, I say things like nothing matters, but I mean, nothing matters. So why not do anything? You may say nothing matters. So why do anything? And there's just two ways that you can perceive that based and it's solely based on your perception. Like if nothing matters, that can be extremely freeing or depressing. If you take it as this thing of like, you know, you have these ideas in the past of things that mattered and that's what's, you know, driving you and you don't have to, but the thing is you don't have to have those things once. And it is, I know, because I've recently been through that sort of roller coaster of realizing like, oh, nothing really, nothing matters at all. And it was after I texted you after that four gram trip that I had, that was more of a sobering trip. It was like, oh, really, really like nothing actually matters. And it was almost like, oh man. And then I went on a walk. I saw, came across a brand new part of New York that I had never seen. And I've seen a lot of it. And I was like, nothing matters, but this is, this is it. Like, this is the experiences that we have is what matters. And we, nothing may matter ultimately, but we get, it's beautiful because we get to choose it. It, what matters to us is what matters. And that is the whole beauty of it all. So being a part of it as it unfolds, right? Yeah. It's so funny because we're like, you know, oh, nothing matters. It's like to what? what, what's the end goal here? Well, what do you mean by nothing matters to you? Because right? I mean, that, that seems irrelevant. I mean, nothing really mattered to you when you were a, an infant outside of eating and, and, and getting a clean pair of shorts, right? It didn't stop you from enjoying your existence, right? Because you weren't thinking about it all the time. But when you do start compartmentalizing everything into, does this serve a purpose? Is this going to get me somewhere? Um, it really just kills your, your enjoyment. It kills your enthusiasm for living as a whole but and i wanted to talk about this actually it's really good that this came up as always of course synchronicity everything everything happens in its own time but um the idea of goals or or directions because this is something that comes up quite a bit and i know we're covering it in in our manifestation workshop in in more detail um and when that becomes publicly available i encourage our listeners to go and check that out because it's a really good conversation um but 
in terms of goals or directions, like for me, for example, I'll give you an example here is that at some point I would like to get off grid, start, um, I don't know, learning how to garden myself, do, do some, uh, some work towards getting uh, sustainable living in terms of electricity, things like that. Now, that's something that I've always thought would be a really, really good thing for my life. And, and I work in that direction generally. Um, but I know from the past when I have become overcommitted to getting there, everything in my life suffered as a result. Everything became that tunnel vision. I got to get there. And then immediately, as soon as I needed to get there, I wasn't enjoying the step that I was on anymore. And then the path to getting there started to wobble and fall apart, right? Because I was too focused on how it was going to happen. And I was too focused on when it was going to happen. And I was too focused on it happening. And oddly enough, now that I'm in a point in my life where that's a vague direction at best, because I'm not entirely sure that that's actually the best thing for me, in all honesty anymore, right? Because I get into conversations like this, if I were to disappear into the wilderness, none of this would be happening, right? And I enjoy this. I enjoy conversations. I enjoy being part of the collective ripple. And so perhaps what I, I wanted 10, 20 years ago wasn't what was best for me or, or the world I'm a part of, which is, of course, also me. And so with all of that in mind, why move forward if you're not trying to get somewhere? And that's often the question is like, well, why? Why establish a direction if I'm not shooting for the end result? And I'm just wondering what your take is on that. Um, I just mouthed, but I said, why not? <laughs> um, yeah, I actually, I just did a, uh, Instagram Q and a, like right before this, I answered a bunch and one of them was, uh, like, what are my hopes and dreams and goals? And I said, quite frankly, I don't have too many and I think that's okay. And my answer was basically, uh, and this is typically my answer. Cause I get this question a lot, you know, like what's your five-year plan? What are your long-term goals? Like, where do you see your content going? Blah, 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 blah. Like, honestly, I don't have any, I know that, you know, sort of like a vague idea is, you know, when I'm my lease in New York ends in September and I've always had this idea of wanting to travel. Like I know that I want to see the earth, you know, like before Andrew's incarnation goes like is back in the dirt. Um, I would enjoy seeing the earth, I think, and, and just seeing more of it and, and going around. I've always enjoyed traveling and I've, you know, I've, I've been to Europe on a three week trip and it was, I really enjoyed it. So I know that's something that I really want to do. And it's something that I've wanted to do. So like, that is a distant, vague sort of idea that I have. It's not necessarily a goal or a destination, but it's just kind of, that's my loose plan for when my lease ends next September. And, but beyond that, like, Another part of my answer is often like, I enjoy making content. I enjoy filming podcasts. I enjoy making vlogs. I enjoy having conversations like these things. So I make content. I have a podcast. I make videos. I make vlogs. I have conversations about this. It's not about like, oh, I want this. So I'm going to like work towards it. No, I'm just going to do it because I enjoy it. And there are things that I enjoy and there are things that excite me. So I do those things and I still, yes, I still have a job that it's not like, you know, my passion or whatever, but I don't hate it. And I'm able to do both and it works for me and I am content with everything. So I think that 
when you get, like you mentioned, when you get too tied to the goals and the destinations and all these long-term things, as much as people can say like, yeah, I have like, you know, five, 10, 15 year plan, but I'm also like present every day. It's like, it's kind of like the idea of getting to heaven. It's like, yeah, you are like sort of present here now, but like sort of not, it's sort of like a subconscious, like pull in that direction and focus. And when you're focused and when you have that sort of tunnel vision, you miss out on everything around here when you're not aware of what is. And I think that's part of the reason when, you know, you do a higher dose of mushrooms that you're, you notice more because you're just locked into the present. You're not, there isn't almost any past and future going on. You're just like locked into the present. So instead of having this vision on the future, this tunnel path, it's like, it just expands to being sort of that center of the universe in that field of infinite possibilities. So I think having goals to wrap this up and ideas and and destinations that you want, there's nothing wrong with it. Sure. It can give you a path, but when you overcommit to it, it takes away from your experience here now. And that is the only thing you ever have. That's the only thing there ever is. That's the only thing you ever will have. So in five, 10, 15 years, you'll be here now in the now that you're in right now. And so I think a better you know, goal is to not get overcommitted to those goals necessarily. And not to the point that you're you know, desiring to not have desire, but to realize that it's okay to not have long-term goals. And I think that's something that has gotten lost in our society that you don't need to be, you know, working towards something. Not everything you do has to have a reason beyond the doing that you're doing it. And you can just do things to do it because you enjoy it and it excites you because that's all there ever is at the end of the day. Yeah. Right. Because the step is the point of the journey. Right. That, that's the whole thing that gets uncomfortable about using the word journey. Right. It's like there's no there's no journey. I'm always here now. Right. The only thing I'm doing is enjoying that existence or enjoying that experience to the best of my ability. And so, I mean, you could call that a journey, but it's always a journey into how present can I become? So I'm not really going anywhere. And that that becomes the paradox in itself. And yeah, it's um, it's really interesting. Like, for example. I've been talking about this stuff for. 20 years. And at one point when I was younger, I really wanted to change the world. I really, really wanted to ignite this conversation in as many places as I could and just watch it spread. And I got really committed to that. And that's where a lot of my frustration came from, especially in conversations where people weren't getting it or in, in situations where people who were getting it suddenly went backslid the other direction and, and, and or either backslid or went running in the other direction because of the uncertainty that goes with this path. And so there's a great deal of frustration in that because I was trying to get somewhere. I was trying to get to a place where we're going to save the world. We're going to fix all this. And over time, what I've learned is that that actually made all of the ripples I was making at the time less effective for me and and the people I was talking to. And, And so now, for example, with this podcast, I'm not going to lie. I love doing this podcast. I really enjoy the conversations. And if, if there is nothing else that happens out of this recording right now, other than the person we're, who's listening to this podcast, having an insight or, or, or feeling like they're not as alone on this path, that's it. That's perfect. It's all I, 
all I need. Don't even need that. I'm just stoked to know that that's happening. Even here on this conversation, the fact that I'm having insights, that's good enough for me. If you're having insights, that's fantastic too. So mission accomplished. But this is also another drop in the bucket. This is also, you know, another you know, log on the fire, as it were, in terms of going in a direction, establishing a flow or, or influencing the flow to go in a certain direction. And so with all of that in mind, yeah, I absolutely get excited about the idea of more and more people becoming involved with this and more and more of it spreading and people joining in the conversation and, and joining us on Patreon and joining us in workshops and joining us in these free live events that we're going to be doing. So we can just continue to, to perpetuate this, but you can't get so caught in that, that this episode isn't enough because then we're just talking about, you know, some heaven in the future again. Then we're just trying to get caught up in an end result. And that's going to destroy the point of this episode here, which is this episode here. Yeah. And, and with the, that idea of manifesting and being the rudder, it's like, if you are doing things for, the end result more so than for the doing, like it's okay, as we've mentioned, like it's okay to have goals and give yourself directions, but it's when that sort of on the teeter totter of being here now and doing the experience for the experience, if that's on this side, and then the goal is on this side, the goal is like, you know, whatever way higher than the doing or the experience, then what you're doing, actually, whether you understand it or not, you are manifesting in that moment not being here now and and longing and seeking for the future. And so when you get to that future, which is now, you will have manifested an existence of longing for the future and wanting the future. So with that, you are manifesting, whether you know it or not, this longing and seeking and pattern of wanting and wishing for some better future thing. So even when you get that thing that you're currently longing for, you're going to be longing for something else and something more. And so the more often you can catch yourself when you're doing that and understand that, you know, here now is all there ever is. So when you get there, it's here, it's now, there is no there, there is nowhere to get. And that, that path of, there was someone who was asking me, you know, what I, uh, and they said something like, what are the most burning, what's your most burning question on a Q&A on Instagram? And I said, my response was, why is it that no matter how much I shake and dance, the last drop always falls in my pants? And they responded to me. And I was kind of like, I think subconsciously making a joke of the idea of having like burning questions and needing like, you know, because I talk about this stuff, I must have some crazy burning questions out there. And then I, you know, kind of purposely posted something a little bit silly and they responded to my DM and they were like, oh, come on, like, haha. But like, seriously, though, what are, you know, you most seeking? And I, we went back and forth a little bit and I, my sort of last message was, you know, the idea of seeking is quite interesting because that path of seeking, if there is, so if there is nothing beyond here now, then what is there to seek? And I'm not saying necessarily that I am, you know, this enlightened master being that I understand this and like you don't, and you know, here now is all there ever is, but just from a logical perspective, like what have you ever experienced beyond here now? So if that is the case that, and we, we was like, yeah, they were like, yeah, here now, that's all there ever is. And I was like, okay, so then what is there to seek that 
journey, that path of seeking begins here now and it ends here now that it, it, it's almost like circular. And eventually whatever you seek and whatever you realize, you realize that it was always here now. So you can kind of like circumvent that whole process of feeling like you need to seek something by understanding that there isn't anything to seek. And that's not to say, you know, don't do anything. It's like, why not do anything? And sure, seek if you want to seek, like that's awesome, but don't do it with this expectation of thinking that, you know, you're going to get somewhere beyond here now or get something or become something more than what you are because you're already everything. So there's nothing to, there's no more to become. <laughs> exactly. Have I ever told you the story of the, uh, the stone cutter? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if you've mentioned that. This is a great story. So I'm going to brutalize it. But anyway, we'll we'll just summarize it quickly. So there's this stone cutter. And uh, this is, you know, say a 1000 years ago, back in the day, there was no technology to really help with that. And so it's not a great life. He just goes to the quarry every every day and he cuts stone blocks. Um, but, you know, he's, he's got his own shack, and he's got his, his life, and, and when he's not cutting stone, he, he does his own thing, sits by the river, you know, that kind of thing, watches, watches the sun go down, but uh, every day he goes to work, and, and it's hard, and some days are harder than others, and he thinks to himself, you know, I, I really wish that I had a different life, I wish that, you know, things were easier, and that I had more time to do what I want to do, you know, like this and this and this, and as he's working, this caravan goes by that belongs to this rich merchant, and the merchant is sitting up on his chair being carried past and everything seems very simple for him and he has servants. And, and, and so the stone cutter goes, well, I wish I was that, that rich merchant, then I'd be happy. And poof, the universe delivers and he becomes the rich merchant. And now he's sitting in his caravan, he's going through the streets, he's being carried by his servants and he's got this great apartment that's above the, the, the road so he can look down at the people bustling about and drink his morning coffee and do all that, feel like a master of the universe. And after a little while of being the businessman, he starts to realize that things aren't as easy as he was hoping, that there are people that he has to pay, there are taxes to worry about, there's regulations, there's the running of the business in itself. And so he still doesn't have any free time. He's still not doing what he wants to do. And he's getting fairly stressed out. And so one day, He's sitting in his apartment looking down at the street and this, this, this larger caravan goes by with more servants. And of course, it's, it's the king. And he goes, ah, you see, there, there's power. There's happiness. That, that's somebody who has to answer nobody. That's what I want. I want to be the king. Poof, he becomes the king. So now he's the king and he's living in his palace and he's, he's overseeing you know, the country that, that he's the king of. And he's feeling very powerful. People are asking him for permission. People are bowing to him. People are doing that whole thing. But after a while, he starts to realize that this is hard too. I mean, there's famine and there's drought. There are warring countries. There are constant people who need me to mediate their problems. I mean, there's nothing but more and more work. This isn't what I wanted at all. I just want to be able to sit and be happy and, and, and not have to worry about any of this. And one day he's looking up from his, his palace and he sees the sun and he goes, that's it. That's the only true power there is, the sun. Nothing argues with the sun. If it wasn't for the sun, nothing would grow. If it wasn't for the sun, there wouldn't be light. The sun is the ultimate power. I wish I was that. And so he becomes the sun. And as he's the sun, he's basking in, in being, you know, the sun and shining down on the earth and doing all that. He burns some crops here, he, you know, blesses some people with an abundant harvest here. He does all that. He starts to realize that something is, in fact, still blocking his power, that there is something that's stopping him from getting to certain people. And he can't do whatever he wants all the time. And he looks and he realizes, well, it's the clouds. 
and the clouds are massive. They cover the entire world and they move around as, as however they please. They're totally free. And he went, ah, see, that's what I'm missing there, that freedom. I want to be the clouds. And so he becomes the clouds. And now he is the weather of the world. He's traveling everywhere he wants. And then one day he comes across an object that he can't move. No matter how hard he blows, no matter how which angle he comes from, at it from, he can't move it. It will not budge to his supposed power. And he goes, this object fears nothing. This object is completely at peace and happy. It, can, it can't be shaken by anything. It can't be influenced by anything. It is, it is complete in itself. I want to be this. And so he becomes that object. And as he's sitting there basking in the solidity of being the mountain, he hears at the bottom, tick, 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 of a stone cutter chipping him away. Uh, that is that is awesome. Yeah, that is. I find it to be so so interesting, and and it's something we've talked about in the past. And I think it's part of uh, discover transcendence is the idea of of not wanting and the idea of you know I I, I kind of think of this as if if there were a key to happiness, which is very very subjective. But if there were, it's it's not getting what you want. It's the not wanting, and to realize that, you know, there is a chance that you know you go through all of the iterations of all of the perfect lives that you desire, like the stone cutter, and eventually you come right back to to where you started. So again, you can circumvent all of that by being here now and going even beyond your identification of being that stone cutter or the merchant or the king or the sun or or the mountain or anything and just being here now being the here and now being the awareness of what is here and now and without all of those ideas and concepts there is nothing to fear and there's nothing to gain and there's nothing to lose there's nothing to desire and it just is here now but all you need to do is you know, I guess, begin by questioning those beliefs and ideas and concepts of who you think you are and how you think the world is and, and then realizing that you're none of those things and all like you peel enough of those back and all of a sudden, you know, you are what is here and now that's the only thing and, and someone, uh, another question I got on my Q&A was what my uh, star sign is or astrology thing or whatever and, and do I believe in it? That was the question. I said, I'm a Taurus and um, I don't, I don't really believe in anything or I try not to, because I find beliefs to be very limiting and by design, they are limiting and they are divisive by design. So whenever I get caught up in believing something, I try and question it immediately because you don't have to believe in anything. I think that's another societal norm and societal expectation that we have is like, oh, what's your, what are your beliefs or what are your thoughts on this or, or beliefs on this? And it's like, there's nothing wrong with having thoughts and opinions on things by any means, but, you know, don't mistake them for truth because they never are. Yeah, no, that's, that's absolutely true. And it's funny, somebody had asked, and we're saying this a lot this episode because we're getting a lot more messages from people now. And I, I just want to say that, but somebody had asked, um, well, don't you think it's important to believe in yourself? And I thought that, that to be a very interesting question to which my response is, what self do I have to believe in that I'm not already being, right? Because I can tell myself a story. I can try to mitigate my doubt 
by telling myself I have control. So if I'm afraid something's not going to work out, I can try and overwhelm that by saying, no, no, it absolutely is going to work out. I got this. I'm the man. Um, but I don't have to do that just to move forward. I can do that if I need to feel better about moving forward. But all, at the end of the day, how many times have we done something trying to feel better about moving forward when the best thing we could have done moving forward was just to be aware of the next step rather than blinding ourselves with an expectation, blinding ourselves with an assumption of how things are going to go and then getting frustrated when they don't go that way or panicking when they start to go in a different direction, right? So I think that the idea of believing in yourself is another one of those concepts that unfortunately has been kind of twisted and skewed according to our overcommitment to this idea of who we are, right? Because belief in yourself is really just allowing yourself to go, I don't know, let's find out. And, and that's it. That's not really belief in a concept so much as just willing to allow yourself to, to demonstrate what you're capable of. Um, and so just not rather than believing in yourself or rather than, than trying to prop yourself up, it's really just a lack of tearing yourself down. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it kind of ties in with the concept of knowing yourself and, and realizing that believing in yourself is just believing in a concept. Like what is there to believe in? You're believing in a fictitious idea at the end of the day. And like with knowing yourself, like, can you, really know yourself or are you you are yourself you're always yourself and and when you were saying that I, I thought of the idea of you know it's it comes back to I don't know you know I don't know how things are going to turn out and that idea that we've talked about so often is the true faith the faith in yourself of not necessarily you know you know crushing it or or succeeding in whatever your ideal or idea of success is but just going through it. And when it comes to, you know, confidence, I think of confidence more as, as that action, you know, no matter how you feel, no matter how you feel about yourself or the situation you're going through, it's just, it's just being there. It's just going through it without an expectation necessarily, just being there as the awareness of what is here and now. And, and confidence is less so, a feeling and it's less so a projection of yourself or how you feel like you should feel or what you feel like, you know, the mantras you need to say to yourself beforehand to handle something. It's just about doing it. It's just about getting into it and, and being okay with however it turns out. Because another thing is you don't know how, what the best case scenario of it turning out is. So like if you're believing in yourself so heavily, you know, it, it's still that belief is still like we just mentioned a sort of restrictive ideal. It, it, it ties you to a concept of how you think things should go based on your limited perception of through your past experiences primarily and not through the here and now, because it is the here and now is not a concept and whatever you're going through is you can have an idea of what you're going through, but you can't express reality because reality isn't words and whatever you're going through cannot be expressed because it isn't an idea. It just what it, it is, what is that you're going through. So there is, you don't have to, you know, believe in yourself and all this, you know, voodoo guru stuff that, you know, doing your mantras and manifestations, you can just be there now and go through it and just make that decision to do it despite anything. And that is what builds 
the true faith, but it's not through, you know, your mantras and your, you know, telling yourself how amazing you are, all of that stuff. It's just from doing it and going through it. Absolutely. And, you know, the only, and it's, uh, we're, we're tested like steel through fire, right? That, that, that's exactly it. You, you have to go through it. And, and the more you do, the easier it gets. But, um, you know, these ideas about who we are, the, the idea of, of, you know, coaching ourselves along and giving ourselves a mental image, self-esteem as a whole. Um, it's very much like training wheels. I, I mean, it, it's just like the ego uh, stages of ego, ego development that I talk about and discover transcendence, right? It's that the ego or identity is a part of our development. There's nothing wrong with identity. It's just that we, we aren't taught to question the validity of that identity. It's like our culture kind of got stuck in stage four of ego development, where it's like, no, we're good here. This gives us a sense of certainty. Let's just get everybody playing the same party. Right? And so that's that's what we're what we have. But in those stages of ego development, you know, it goes beyond stage four, it goes to five, six, seven, eight, nine, and ten, which is progressively less egotistical. And all that means is less committed to the belief that my idea of myself is a measure of value, that my idea of myself is a measure of truth, because then I'm able to relate to people on a better level because I'm not holding on so rigidly to an idea of myself. I'm able to work with people. I'm able to have more insights. I'm able to, to have better relationships as a result of all of those things. And so it's our culture that needs to move past this, or, or rather we need to move past this collectively which is to move past this individually, which is once again, why this conversation in this podcast is so important. And, and I know it's funny because we do revolve around this. We keep coming back to the same insight over and over and over again. And I want to, I want to communicate this clearly because I actually had this question this week. It seems like all of this comes down to the same point over and over again. And it does, it comes back down to you. It comes down to your existence. All of this comes back down to you because you're what's making your existence or your experience happen. You are the crux of your experience. Without you, it can't happen. And so all Andrew and I are ever talking about is allowing yourself to sit in that with eyes wide open. So that way you can, you can do the most you can with it. But the idea that the more complicated the answer, the more truthful it is, is something that you should always watch out for. Be careful because there are plenty of people who want to give you long, complicated answers about multiple waves of extraterrestrial alien souls coming to Earth, whether it's the Church of Scientology or it's Dolores Cannon or it's any of those people. They want to give you a narrative about how you are here to, to save the rest of unconscious humanity or that how you're here for a certain path and to meet certain people and have certain relationships like the relationship you're in right now, for example. All of these narratives do nothing except provide you with some sense of security and some sense of stability and some rooted idea that you can still hold on to your self-concept and it's not going to cause you a consequence if that self-concept is somehow elevated and, and more metaphysical. But the fact is, is that self-concept, self-image will always have the same consequence. It will always lead you into the same hell when it's overcommitted to as truth. Just like any lie, if you overcommit to a lie as truth, you will inevitably end up in conflict because of it. So that's really all we're ever trying to do is get out of our own lies. And, and getting out of our own way too. And, and all of those ideals, you know, people like Dolores Cannon, like I, I first heard of her, I don't know, four or five months ago. And I started, you know, watching videos on her, some of her speeches. And I was like, wow, this makes me feel 
great. You know, I feel like, you know, all of this stuff was meant to be, and I signed this contract beforehand and blah, blah, blah. But it, and I posted videos about it. So it's, it's funny, like how much it's, it's kind of tough, you know, going through this. I don't want to say tough, but like, it's, it's interesting going through all of these realizations kind of like in real time, like, you know, that, I don't know if you ever seen, I think it's Bill O'Reilly um, where he's like that little clip. I find it so funny where he's like getting all pissed off at the people with the signs. He's like, fuck it. We'll do it live. Fuck it. <laughs> like, that's how I feel with all of this stuff that I'm going through. I'm like, fuck it. I'm doing it live. Like I have these accounts. I'm posting stuff as I go. And like, you can kind of see the evolution of my understandings and the clearer that I get through time. But the ideas with Dolores Cannon, like, yeah, I posted some of that stuff because I was like, damn, this makes me feel way better about stuff. But at the same time as it was making me feel better, it was reinforcing my idea of myself and that is and that inevitably led to other things and other struggles that I went through and when when you're able to get beyond that I think there isn't as much you know back and forth and I think it ties into any belief system whether it's religion or Dolores Cannon or spirituality is anything that reinforces your idea of your ego or yourself will, yeah, sure, it can make you feel good here and there. But there are times when it's going to go the opposite. And anything that reinforces your idea of yourself, there's two sides to that idea. There's, you know, fear, and there's desire, and there's the desire to feel better and the fear when you're not feeling so good. And as long as you're clinging to this idea of yourself and knowing who you are and knowing that you have this soul contract and you're, you know, a part of source, but like not really source, but kind of source, or, you know, you're this soul that's experiencing a human or any of these things are just reinforcing this idea of duality, that you are existing in duality and that you are separate from everything. And that when, when you believe in any of those things, sure, short term, it can make you feel good. But I think long term understanding that you are none of those ideas and none of those ideas or concepts are the truth is where when you're able to move beyond that, you don't get tied to them and you're able to question those things as they come up. And sure, there is still discomfort and there are still, you know, emotions that you feel as a human, it's part of the human experience, but you don't tie yourself to that truth and you no longer have things to defend when people don't agree with your position or you know belief if you hold on to these beliefs and cling to them that you see as truth you're going to have something to defend and when when you are able to go sort of move past that and get past these ideas and belief systems that reinforce your identity and belief idea of yourself then there isn't much to hold on to and there isn't much to defend and that i think is where that true faith starts to get built absolutely the kingdom of heaven is smaller than a mustard seed right yeah yeah the whole point is that you have nothing to defend it's the narrow path right like I, I get a kick out of the fact that jesus actually at one point talks about the you know the wide path traveled by many and the narrow path that's traveled by very few and, and it's like yeah that's what he's talking about. He's talking about, you know, the, the ego identity and all of that belief and go, that goes with that versus 
none of that, which was faith and humility and align, aligning with God, right? And seeing your neighbor as yourself, as it were. And, and so I, I find it so funny how <laughs> it's always like this. We're always talking about this in two different ways. Like, and it's like we're speaking different languages, right? Like we, we talk, you can use concepts to describe an insight, but if you're talking to somebody who thinks concepts are truth, they won't have that insight. That's the trick. So it, it's very difficult to figure out how to communicate truth without using concepts. And, and especially when you're used to thinking about truth as concepts, right? And so what, what ends up happening is you just try to beat people over the head with the concepts that you're familiar with and that have given you that sense of, of, of rightness or value, right? And then if they memorize it, then you're even more right because now safety in numbers, right? These people are agreeing with me and that that's the foundation of religion at the end of the day. It's like, hey, we got a big group of people who all say you're wrong, therefore we're right because we have more people. Right. And, and so it, it's it's really interesting to to watch it play out that way. But how do you inspire a genuine insight? How do you how, how do you embody the the emergence of an insight or, or how do you participate in the emergence of an insight? And the fact is, is that you can't control it. You can't go to somebody with a perfectly laid out speech and expect it to wake them up because you are discounting where they are in their head, what they've been through, how they're gonna interpret the, the concepts you're using in your speech, right? And so if it's not about the speech and it's not about the words, then it's about me. Then it's about the state of mind that I'm in, in that conversation. And that, that's frustrating as shit when you first start thinking about it because there's no control in that, right? You have to actually just exercise self-awareness and self-honesty going into conversations with no desire for validity and no uh, end goal in that conversation other than what you're what you're doing at the time and then what you find is that in that in that mix of being the rudder and, and allowing somebody to be in that position with you or in that state with you yeah things all of a sudden they go in directions that you never would have conceptually thought possible you start to experience the miraculous as it were, which is really what, what the miraculous is. There are things that we just don't see being possible given all the probabilities that, that we currently are exposed to. But the fact is, is that that stuff's happening all the time, right? There are things happening all the time that we would have never expected. It's just that we're too caught up in our tunnel vision to, to, to see it or even to accept that we're expecting something. Yeah, like <laughs> I just thought of this idea that if you're trying to express to someone that there are no end goals. You can't have an end goal in your expression to someone that there is no end goal. <laughs> like being that expression, being that embodiment is all you can do at the end of the day. And you can't have expect, like when you're expressing not having expectations, you can't have expectations of your expression of not having expectations. Like it just, it doesn't work. It's, it's a bit hypocritical and, and counterintuitive and counterproductive at the end of the day. <laughs> so yeah, it's like, it's just being here now, enjoying your expression, enjoying sitting in the moment and expressing things. And if someone, you know, is able to perceive something in a way that, you know, gets to them and triggers something within them to trigger an insight cool if not that's okay too but at the end of the day you know you can't you can't force it you can't and you can't have an expectation you can't it's like 
with the manifesting. You can't let go to receive because you're not actually letting go. You can't expect to have someone not expect, you know, you can't expect to not, when you're expressing how not to expect or how you can't have expectations, you know? Yeah. You can't teach being right. Yeah. As soon as you do, you're not being yeah. super frustrating. Yeah. I, I went through that for years, man. I mean, just, just cycling through that. It's like, ah, I'm getting caught up in it again. I'm getting emotionally involved with it again. Right. And, and that's the thing that there has to be some degree of detachment. Otherwise, well, and there doesn't have to be. I think that that's, that's important to mention that we throw out these words like, you know, we have to do this. And we don't have to do this. I mean, we can continue to, uh, down the path that we're on. But once we have awareness of where that path is going, and once we start to build an awareness of, of the consequences of that path, then it really just comes down to if we don't change direction, the consequences on us, right? And, and if we're willing to accept that, that's fine. But more than likely, if you've acquired the awareness to see the consequences that are happening from the, the, the ideas you've overcommitted to, then you also have the awareness to decide to go in the other direction. And it might be in, in small you know, little spurts at first, like you might make a couple of positive changes in your life and then revert back to your old habits. But that doesn't matter because each and every step is cumulative on the path each and every step oscillating in and out of awareness or presence or, or, or faith in yourself reminds you of the value of awareness, presence, and faith in yourself. So don't beat yourself up when you do get lost or when you fall off um, the, the, the high wire as it is, because you know, you're going to get back up, you're going to fall, and you're going to do it again. And, and, and eventually you're going to have moments where you're like, right, this is easy when I'm not thinking about it. And then you're going to go, am I thinking about it? And you're going to fall. Um, and that's just how it goes, right? Like, it's just like trying to be present, right? Being, being present works until you think, am I present? And that's all gone, right? So it's just about stepping forward, having faith in yourself and, and allowing it to, to change you as you change it. Because they're one and the same. There is no separation between the stone cutter and the mountain, right? Like that, that's the whole thing. If you can get into that state of mind, you'll never experience lack that's going to twist your path and cause you to have more distortion and more consequence. And it is, it's that, uh, it's that distortion. It's that confusion that causes us to go down directions that, that cause us more pain. So if you can just address the confusion and learn to feel when we're confused, everything else becomes self-correcting. Yeah, and then and then when if you get caught up in judgments don't judge your judgments also <laughs> and if you do then don't judge your judgment of your judgment <laughs> eventually just get yourself and you'll be okay and it's always here now so that's the beauty of it so <laughs> and that's the go. forgiveness right like that's that's why it's like oh you know god forgives all that means is as soon as you're present you realize there's nothing to forgive Right. Like the entire idea of forgiveness is it all conceptual and based on your idea of yourself. Right. So that's the whole point of, you know, the kingdom of heaven is, is, is divine forgiveness and all that divine acceptance. Yeah. As soon as your presence, that's it. There's, there's no more you to be punished. Right. There's no more you that has done something wrong because the entire idea of wrong and right is fictitious. It's superficial. That's why I always get a kick out of it. <laughs> this idea that, God is everything, created everything limitless. Limitless doesn't die, is expressed through everyone, somehow has opinions on good and bad. <laughs> what? So whenever I, I, I get Christians, mostly, but it's not just Christians, um, saying like, oh, you know, you're waiting till you die, God's going to judge you. It's like, wow, 
you really have this this limited version of God that thinks just like you do. Like, isn't that odd how God just seems to be as judgmental as you are? That's a very convenient thing, right? And it's always the case. It's always like that. It's like, you know, I want to view God in a way that justifies my actions, right? It's like, but if God doesn't die and can't be killed, it has no preferences. <laughs> yeah, it is very, it is very interesting uh, just that whole idea. And I find it that, you know, when I have these discussions with people about religion, you know, people are just like, why can't you just leave people be blah, 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 like let them be live and let live. And I have my responses to that certainly, but something interesting that I find is, is that they say, you know, religion allows people, you know, what if it's just allowing them to be, you know, a better person or whatever. And I find it very interesting how if you are truly, you know, a believer, then you're living in a world of duality where you see everything and everyone is separate from you. So I find it to be very difficult to experience that true empathy where you see that, you know, if you go through the same shit and experience the same things as someone else, you would act very similarly to how they do. And I don't see that in religious, you know, communities as much. And so they talk about how, you know, you're a better person, you know, it can help people be better people. And yet in reality, I find most of them that I come across to be extremely judgmental and they validate it by, you know, whatever they say, but, you know, I catch them oftentimes and I'm like, you know, you're, that's pretty judgmental of you to, to say, like, you don't know them. You don't know if they've been through, you don't know if they're, you know, what they're experiencing right now. And yet, you know, they identify very closely as being religious and saying how, you know, their arguments are always, what if it just helps someone be a better person or like, you know, feel better about death or blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, great. That's, that's cool for you to say and cool for that to be your argument, but I just don't see it in reality as often, quite frankly. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and let's, let's just say, okay. Um, so Christianity, religion, whichever religion is based around somebody who's had an experience of the divine clarity, so on and so forth. Like, okay. So Jesus was happy, but Jesus wasn't Christian. Jesus didn't believe in Christianity. He didn't worship. He didn't, you know, reference the new Testament. I mean, he talked about scriptures in the, in saying, yeah, we're done with those. Those have all been satisfied with my coming. We're done with scripture now. And I find it so funny that the people who follow Jesus, quote unquote, right, are like, yeah, he came to satisfy scripture. Here's some new scripture, right? It's like, okay, so, so we're not getting the point, right? What this is, is a club. And it's a club based on us not being like the person that the club is revolving around. Right. And, and that's that's always really funny to me because it's like, you know, what would Jesus do? Well, he wouldn't be Christian. Let's start there. Right? And then we can work our way up. Right. But but it comes down to he wouldn't be Christian. Right. And, and so when we're talking to people, we're asking them, well, not even asking them, we're, we're presenting them with a choice. Either what you've been saying this whole time that God and connection and, and all of that is actually a prior a priority in your life. And you're willing to 
surrender and have faith and allow yourself to see what else is there. Or it's all lip service and you are just committing to division for the sake of feeling right and, and being able to value yourself through comparison. Because unfortunately, that's what goes with identity and belief, that you don't get the roaring fire of enthusiasm that goes with actually being God or being connected to the universe. What you get is the very poor substitute of occasionally feeling more right than other people and having other people agree with you about how right you are. And so that gets mistranslated as a spiritual experience. Oh, we've converted another you know, heathen, but that's not the same as actual connection to the universe because connection to God means there is nobody to convert. There is no separation. It's just unity, right? And so that, that's very much the difference between believers and, and, and the actual recognition of unity, right? Is that believers always perpetuate division. They'll do it in the name of unity, but they'll perpetuate division. Yeah, and, and even saying things, I feel like, like the idea of, of live and let live. And, you know, I have my religion and there's a bunch of others and that's okay too. It's like, why do you feel so strongly that you need to cling to this religion? Like it is by divine, by design divisive. The idea of having all of these religions is divisive by design. It doesn't mean that, you know, you can't say that you're, you know, allowing people to be, but I just find it very, I, I get curious about why people feel so strongly that they need to cling to these ideas. And I think a lot of it just comes down to, you know, wanting to believe in an afterlife and clinging to this ego identity. And, but at the same time, like, it's also funny because they say that and they say things like, you know, I, I, you know, I, think that, you know, I'm going to live in heaven with God and all of my ancestors and people that I love, but they're still very afraid of death. And if they actually thought that, that they were going to be in paradise with, you know, everyone they ever loved and God and Jesus and whoever else, like they wouldn't be afraid of death in the slightest. If it actually is what they think it is like a better place than they are now then they, what is there to fear? Like, there's nothing to fear whatsoever that you should be excited. You should be like, you know, going, jumping squirrel suiting and, and having that, you know, five-year lifespan. Cause you're like, hell yeah, I'm getting to heaven, but you're not. So it's like, it's interesting how you're very much clinging to these ideas, but it's like what you cling to and what you say that you are and what you identify as versus what actually is happening and what you're actually going through. And, and I find it to just be very, very contradictory in those two different realms of what they say and what they do. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's so funny that way, right? Like it's, uh, it's, <laughs> it, it's very interesting to me because Christianity will, will talk about the afterlife and they'll talk about, you know, heaven and, It'll be the greatest thing in the world. We're going to connect to Jesus. It'll be at the right hand of God, all of that. And then at some point it started to dawn on people, well, shit, why don't I just die now? And, and so the church is like, no, 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 no. We, we, we still need money. So suicide's a sin, right? It's like, <laughs> so you're stuck here 
<laughs> but don't worry, we'll take care of you as long as you keep paying. Right. And so it's such a catch 22. Whereas somebody uh, wrote to me and because we're talking about awareness and being eternal life and all that. And they said, you know, well, well why wouldn't I just kill myself? Because it doesn't help you any. You're still going to be eternal life. Like you're not going anywhere. <laughs> like you sure you're going to lose this body, but you're still going to be every other body. So there's always going to be a journey. There's always going to be hardship. There's always going to be a situation for you to transmute and try to make the most of right suicide doesn't end the pain just changes the body right and, and so make the most of what what you've got here and now because you don't know what's possible all you know is what's been possible as long as you've been avoiding the here and now or judging the here and now or any of that stuff right so it's interesting that when we talk about heaven being a possibility as a real experience here it becomes very different than talking about heaven like a distant place that we have to die to get to. It changes our priority as, as, as people. But again, we have to get past the idea of our concept of ourself, of our self-image. Now, I just want to mention, because I know we tend to talk a lot, um, we are coming up to our, our hard stop today because we do have to wrap up for a, certain period, uh, for a certain time. And I want to mention to all of our listeners that we are so grateful for all of the messages that we've been receiving, for all of the people who have been joining us in our live events. Uh, we do have uh, a live event coming up this Wednesday, December 1st, and then another one on December 8th. Those are free uh, live group events. You can sign up for them on our website. Uh, we're gonna be doing more of these as we move forward, of course, and then we have another workshop coming out. And of course, we've had uh, a bunch of people purchase the uh, social anxiety and workshop series that we did last month in the last week. And so I just wanted to say thank you to everybody who's been helping to support this uh, endeavor of ours or, or this step that we're on right now, um, because it's moving us in a direction where we can see the change accumulating. And we're really excited to be able to, uh, to share that with you as that change is happening. So just thank you so much, everyone, for being a part of all of this. Yes. Yeah. I would just like to echo that. And it's very exciting. It's very fun as much as, you know, we love having these podcasts and just talking to each other for an hour and a half to two hours. Like it's awesome to have other people involved as well and getting more and more perspectives and questions. And I'm super excited for our live events coming up uh, December 1st and December 8th. Uh, I think those will be a lot of fun. I know like we really enjoyed our first uh, Patreon live stream uh, with Mary. Uh, what was that? Two weeks ago, maybe. That was awesome. Just to, like to have conversations with more and more people who are, you know, sort of going through all of these things and these changes and, and just to get more perspectives involved is very exciting. So um, it's, it's been awesome to, you know, be able to have some platforms to communicate these things and then have, you know, some responses being reflected back. And it's all very exciting. Yeah. The reward is the step we're on, right? That, that, that's the great thing is I, I have these conversations and I always enjoy having them. And then after the conversation, it goes online and it spurs more conversation with more reflections of ourself, which of course is helping me grow as a person, which is contributing to these conversations again. And, and, and so it's just this, it's this, this practice of, of one mind and infinite expressions communicating with itself. And it's interesting that now that mind has got a new channel called the dualistic unity podcast and, and and everybody gets to be a part of this as as we move forward but i wanted to communicate this because 
although I, I work very hard towards not having an end goal or, or a, uh, a place I want to go and go to into the future. I do want everybody to know who's listening to this, that as this grows, as this continues to build more and more people get involved with this, um, I have lofty ambitions. Like there, there are things that I want to see happen in the world. There are conversation starters that, that we can throw out there. There are a number of, of ripples that we're going to make as dualistic unity continues to evolve and grow. And that's all about your participation and more importantly, your insights, the changes that you're going through, because without you, none of this would be happening because you are what is. And so I just want to express that as much as I'm doing this for my own enjoyment, I get so much enjoyment when people communicate how much they're getting out of this as well, or they communicate that they've applied some of the things we're talking about in their life and they're seeing how it's changing things for them. So by all means, reach out to us as often as you can. We have a Q&A episode coming up very shortly uh, in December. So we're going to be answering as many questions as we can in that episode. So by all means, submit your questions on social media or on Patreon, and we will try and address it in that episode as well. And if you haven't picked up Andrew's ebook as yet, definitely do so. I mean, it's it's coming along really well. It's a great read. And there's really some, some good insights for when you're just going through day-to-day -day stuff. If you need a quick reference for how to deal with overthinking or how to deal with anxiety, it's, it's really easy to just flip to the right page, have a quick insight. And if you want to watch a quick video with, with Andrew communicating that insight in the way that he does, that's always nice too, if you're having a bad day. So definitely check out that ebook. Yeah, I appreciate it. And I'm going to be adding... I don't know if it's going to be uh, judgment or specific social anxiety uh, chapter in December. So that'll be out as well. Um, and actually, uh, I meant to do this, but I'll add a, uh, I have discount codes for like each of my platforms. So people who click through it and I'm going to make one because uh, that just came out as a capability through the platform that I'm selling it through. Um, so I will have a dualistic unity specific one. Um, so if you use the code DU40, you can get 40% off the ebook. Um, and it's linked in my bios on content. Um, but yeah, it'll, we'll link it somewhere here, but yeah, DU40 and you can get 40% off. So that makes it $9, I think. So it'll be updated fairly regularly. So I don't know. I think it's worth, you know, a few cups of coffee or whatever. Um, but anyway, yeah, appreciate anyone who has purchased that so far or, or is thinking about it. Um, yeah. Thank you. Money well spent for sure. And uh, just to wrap up, I do want to reiterate in December, um, well, actually in November, we did have a giveaway where I gave away a 50-minute one-on-one life coaching session to one of our supporters on Patreon. I'm going to be doing the same in December, except I'm going to be giving away three 50-minute one-on-one uh, one -on -one life coaching sessions. And so you can win that just by being a supporter on Patreon. And uh, that draw is going to be on December 20th. Likewise, we have a lot of other giveaways and promos coming up in December. So if you can attend any of our live events or if you can attend uh, any of our workshops or anything like that, you will definitely get some promo codes and some, some free giveaways there as well. And of course, if there's anything else that you'd like to see from the channel as we go into the new year, because we're going to be starting season two, at some point soon. Um, definitely throw up your suggestions because this show is evolving as we do and as you do. And of course you are a very important part of all of this. Yes. And looking forward to it all. It's very exciting. And yeah, season two, it's crazy. What'll, what'll that be like episode 14 or yeah. 15, maybe around yeah. there. 
um, yeah, it'll be coming up quick for sure. And just so everybody knows, we actually have uh, another guest coming up about midway through December. I'm not going to ruin who it is right now, but we will be giving um, some notifications online. So do watch us on social media. It's going to be a great conversation. And I know you're probably going to recognize who it is. Um, so do keep in touch with us. Uh, follow us on Patreon if you can, of course. And we will see you uh, next week for episode 11. All right. Bye, everyone.